Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. today That's it. i am fine how are you <laughs> happy pride month gay <laughs> sachet into our deals <laughs> i know that was last month but anyway um oh yeah but we never said it happy pride girl um yeah i am great i might be a tiny bit under the weather got my first job today delighted with myself a little mm-hmm. bit weird mm-hmm. and shaky after it but that would be me um yeah no i feel grand i can't move my left arm but all, everything as well how's herself I'm grand. I, I I had my vaccine last month, as in as you know. Uh-huh. But um, I've I've a feeling that you're gonna have an awful time with it if you're feeling like that now, um, because you only got it a few hours ago. I know, but I'm, hopefully not. I was trying to deny, you know, like I am one of those people that has has weird reactions and kind of like falls over and stuff sometimes. And I was like, I, hmm. I was like, get get that out of your head because then you're gonna bring it on yourself. So I was like, no, I'm fine. No, I'm fine. No, I'm fine. And um, <laughs> I feel funny. <laughs> oh, but um, anyway, this is great. I would not like to be Dave. This is great for Dave. This is great because this will take my mind off it for an hour, and it's probably just all in my mm. head anyway. Do you know the way? Yeah, be a bit mad. So yeah, you better yeah, have some. Yeah, I'm telling you, enough. you better have something good for me to take my mind off it, or else I will just hang up the phone in the middle of it. Oh, honey, I have something good for you today. But we first need to say thank you to our new Patreon subscribers. We want to say a big thank you to Vanessa Eberly. And we want to say a big, big thank you to Nicola Pike. Thank you so much. It means the world. We love you. Thank you. Thank you so much, everybody. And if you'd like to join Patreon, you can do at uh, Mysteries of the Unexplained, um, where you'll get bonus episodes. And now we have a Motu Weird Wednesday episode. And our second weekly episode came out this Wednesday. And I hope you all liked it. And we have a very special section on that Motu Weird Wednesday, which <laughs> is my... F- which is quite popular. My new favourite thing in the world. And it's... Uh, 
this really grinds my gears. So any of you that have something that just fucking, do you know something that just fucking winds you up, like can push your button and winds you up to the last, um, it's something that really gets gets your goat send it into us there you can send us a message on instagram or you can send us a message on the patreon portal um and tell us what grinds your gears because the ones that we've had so far are fucking gas i love people giving out i just love it (laughs) yeah they have been quite funny thanks so much for all your interaction but any any but anyway any we better get into this week's story are you ready oh i uh Oh, born ready, bitch. Bring it on. Oh, I have some The Mummy Returns type Tom Cruise, Brendan Fraser type shit for you today, Annie. <laughs> oh, no, I thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to say Tom Hardy. Always ready for Tom Hardy. Tom Cruise. <laughs> Tom Cruise, not so much. I'd say to kiss Tom Cruise, I'd actually need to kneel down on the ground. <laughs> Like, if I was ever in the position that I needed to kiss Tom Cruise, I think I'd have to kneel down on the ground. Imagine if I fell in love with Tom Cruise and, like, uh, our wedding photos was, like, him in a suit and me in a wedding dress, but just kneeling on the ground with my arms around <laughs> Oh, God, I think I have a temperature. I think I have a temperature. <laughs> Go, 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 go. Born in London in 1904 into a middle-class family, Dorothy Eady was the only child to Reuben and Caroline Eady. At the age of three, while playing in the family home one day, little Dorothy accidentally fell from the top of the stairs and was soon discovered unconscious by her parents. Her lifeless body was carefully examined by the local doctor and was sadly pronounced dead. Her mother Caroline was understandably distraught that the apple of her eye had been taken from her and went into sheer panic. The doctor placed Dorothy on her bed as her father comforted her hysterical mother. The doctor explained that he would return in an hour with a nurse to wash Dorothy's body and would have her death certificate. As soon as he arrived back, just like he said with the nurse, they proceeded up the stairs that had led to Dorothy's demise and opened the door to Dorothy's room. Entering the room, The doctor froze. In front of him was a very much alive Dorothy, sitting upright on her bed, playing with not a care in the world. In Dorothy's own words, she said, My mother told me that the doctor was said to be very annoyed by this, but not as annoyed as my father, who asked why on earth he had given them such a scare as to pronounce his only daughter was dead. The doctor, perplexed, swore that he had done every test and knew with certainty that Dorothy had passed away, for she gave no indication otherwise. Sorry now, but, like, what was the doctor's level of, like, what was his tests poking her in the fucking side? (laughs) What are your credentials? (laughs) I, I, like, I know it's before the time that you could get a doctor cert online, you know, I don't think he'd done an online university kind of thing, but I do wonder about the, these doctors' credentials. Although you do hear this thing kind of happening, don't you? Where they're kind of clinically dead and then they sit back up. But I don't know. I feel like something is going to... I don't know if you'd want the child back from the netherworld now. Is something going to happen here? The Edie sent the doctor away. The relief that Dorothy was alive eclipsed his mistake. 
Luckily, Dorothy hadn't suffered any broken bones. In fact, she didn't seem to have been left with any scratches or marks anywhere on her body. It was as if she hadn't had a fall at all. That night, Dorothy kept crying. Mrs. Edie, comforting her, asked, Oh darling, what's the matter? I know you had a tremendous fall today, but you were safe and sound here at home. I want to go home. But you are home, dear. This is not my home. I want to go home. Well, where is home, Dorothy, if not here? I don't know. Putting it down to shock, Mrs. Edie hushed her child to sleep. But on the days that followed, Dorothy insisted that she wanted to go home, wherever home was. Life continued on, but her parents noted that Dorothy's behaviour was slightly different. At the age of four, her parents brought her on a day trip to the British Museum. Wandering through the museum amongst the treasures of the past, her mother noted that Dorothy was quite passive until they reached the Egyptian section, and in her words said that Dorothy went crazy. Dorothy went around to various Egyptian statues kissing their feet and eventually sat down beside a mummy in its glass case for quite some time. When her parents told her it was time to go home, she refused and spoke in an unusual voice saying, Walk like an Egyptian. <laughs> oh my god, I was so I was so imagining that, mu- <laughs> that that music coming in. And I would just like to say, if my parents had brought me to a museum when I was four, no such things existed. And if you went crazy there, they would do that thing where they'd catch it by the hand and they'd be like, I'll fucking slap the arse off you when I get you home. I'll fucking fucking red in your eyes for you and then you'd be like <laughs> and then you'd be so fucking petrified because you know you'd get a right slap when you got home and then you're not crying because you were having the tantrum then you're crying because you're afraid okay there's no need to report the social services everything is fine now lads i'm an adult and i thank you continue <laughs> similar outbursts would continue in the years to come her sunday school teacher requested that her parents keep her away from class because she had compared Christianity with heathen ancient Egyptian religion. She was even expelled from a Dulwich girls school after she refused to sing a hymn that called on God to curse the swart Egyptians. Her regular visits to Catholic Mass, which she liked because it reminded her of the old religion, were terminated after an interrogation and a visit to her parents by a priest. Nightmares and visions of a temple soon followed. These visions would become frequent. Always the same. A great temple with beautiful gardens and trees. To Dorothy, this was home, but she did not know how this matched her London surroundings. At the age of six, something would click. While reading a magazine at home, she came across a picture of an ancient Egyptian temple of Abydos. There, look, there is my home. But there is something that's missing. Where are the trees? Where are the gardens? That cannot be our home, Dorothy, for that is a temple. You were born here in Britain, and that temple is a fantastic distance away. That man beside the picture. I know that man, Pharaoh Seti I. He's a good man and a kind man. Dorothy was assured by her father that she did not know him. He explained the picture was that of an Egyptian mummy, 3,000 years old. Strangely, however, the picture was in fact of Pharaoh Seti I. 
Dorothy would say in an interview later in her life. I belonged there in Egypt and would always say as a child, when I go to Egypt, not if I go to Egypt, I will be home at last. After a close escape from a bombing raid during World War I, she moved to her grandmother's house in Sussex. Here she continued her study of ancient Egypt at the Eastbourne Public Library, where she learned the ancient hieroglyphic language, reportedly at ease. At 14, she began to describe her sexual relationship with Seti I, claiming to have been his lover in a previous life. She even described nighttime visitations in which his mummy came to her bedside and tore away her nightdress. Yet, rather than being terrified by these nocturnal hallucinations, Dorothy was deeply obsessed with them. At their wit's end, Dorothy's parents committed her to one sanitarium after another. Nothing worked. She simply refused to let go of her beliefs. At 16, she finally dropped out of school for good. But her education was hardly at an end. She now took up part-time studies at an art school in Plymouth where her father was operating an early movie theatre. It was there that she had the opportunity to play Isis on stage, a role for which she felt a keen affinity. During this period, Dorothy worked out the details of her previous life. She told her parents that nighttime apparitions of the Egyptian god Hura dictated her past life to her over approximately one year. Hura told her story which would take up around 70 pages of cursive hieroglyphic text. It described the life of a young woman in ancient Egypt, called Bentrist, who had been reincarnated into the body of Dorothy Edi. Bentrist, or Harp of Joy, is described in this text as being of humble origin, her mother a vegetable seller and her father a soldier during the reign of Seti I. When she was three, her mother died, and she was placed in the temple of Komel Sultan, because her father could not afford her. There she was brought up to be a priestess. When she was 12 years old, the high priest asked her if she wished to go out into the world or stay and become a consecrated virgin. In the absence of full understanding and without a practical alternative, she took the vows. During the next two years, she learned the role in the annual drama of Osiris's passion and resurrection, a role that only virgin priestesses consecrated to Isis could perform. One day, Seti I visited and spoke to her. They became lovers. When Bentrist became pregnant, she told the high priest who the father was. The high priest informed her that the gravity of the offence against Isis was so terrible that death would be the most likely penalty at a trial. Unwilling to face the public scandal for Seti, she committed suicide rather than face the trial. Bitch. Oh, bitch, this is getting so... This is so dramatic, isn't it? Whew. Yes, because Dorothy Edie was a high priestess. <laughs> Darling, don't you and know? Her, her don't you know, had darling? Come back from her, for her, from beyond the grave. But, like, I'm just imagining the kind of mummies that we grew up at... <laughs> grew up with at Halloween. That you just wake up beside... You wake up and there's this thing beside you wrapped in toilet roll. Like, beside the bed. And he's like... We are ancient lovers torn apart across the centuries. And you're like, that's toilet roll. 
<laughs> I just have visions of her sitting up in bed and her mother coming in to say, Good night, little darling Edie. And she's after like putting toilet roll all over her teddies and has it propped <laughs> up in a chair. And it's just like this. Hey, I was Ben Tristram. He's telling me that um, I was a lover. And Sassy had his dirty way with me, <laughs> mummy. Like. <laughs> Yeah, like, and the mother's been like, "Go to bed, don't What do you do if your child starts saying like stuff like that to you? Like, how do you react to like that's fucking a mad shit." I don't know. It's like, what Dorothy into Egypt? <laughs> Anything into Egypt. Egypt? What will we get Dorothy for her birthday? Egypt, just something about Egypt. But then she'd be like, "These toy pyramids are not the exact equation of an equilateral pyramid that was made." Like you'd be like, okay, you can't get that child a toy. <laughs> you can't get that child a toy because she lecture you about it when you get it the toy. Dorothy, what would you like me and father to get you for Christmas? The corpse of Seti the first, mummy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, go on, go on. I want to see what happens. Go on. At the age of 27, she would meet her future husband, Iman, an Egyptian student with whom she continued to correspond with when he returned home. In 1931, she moved to Egypt after Iman, now a teacher of English, asked her to marry him. On arriving in Egypt, she kissed the ground and announced, I have come home to stay. Downton Abbey is on location now. The couple stayed in Cairo, where her husband's family gave her the nickname Bulbul, or Nightingale. Their son was named Seti, a nod to her past love affair with Seti I, which is creepy. Um, I wouldn't, yeah, I don't think you'd call your child with your present husband after an ex-lover from a few thousand years ago. Might cause a bit of consternation in the relationship, but okay. Eman's family soon grew sick of Dorothy's wild claims and the marriage fell apart after two years. Eman eventually moved to Iraq, leaving Dorothy unemployed with her child in Egypt. Two years after the marriage broke down, she went to live in Naslat al-Shaman, near the Giza pyramids, where she met the Egyptian archaeologist Selm Hilsan of the Department of Antiquities, who employed her as his secretary and draftswoman. There, Dorothy became a helpful aide correcting English and writing English articles for Hassan. This led to Dorothy befriending many of the famous Egyptologists of the era and earning a name for herself. She was truly finding her feet in Egypt. Many years of digging, translating, uncovering tombs followed. But the picture of the Temple of Abydus, the very temple that she saw in a magazine and exclaimed home, once again haunted her mind at night. On the 3rd of March 1956, the 52-year-old left for Abydus. She set up home in Arabet Abydus, which sits in the cradle of the mountain Peg of the Gap. It was here that she began to be called Umseti, because it was customary in Egyptian villages to refer to a mother by the name of her eldest child. Eventually, she secured a minimum wage job helping with the restoration of Abydus Temple, which she loved and seemed to possess great knowledge of. One of the Egyptologists even tested the authenticity of her claims. While being in complete darkness, he asked her to identify artefacts inside of the Temple of Seti I. Umseti could describe the paintings and artefacts with astonishing accuracy. The Egyptologists were completely baffled since only a few people at the time knew what was inside the temple. 
On another occasion, Umsete was even able to give archaeologists the exact location of the gardens of Abydus, gardens that they had been searching for for many years, the very gardens where Bentrist and Seti I began their affair. Now back in her so-called home, Umsete suddenly began to revive ancient Egyptian rituals. Just like ancient priestesses would do every morning with the sunrise, she would go and seek her to Osiron, which locals called the bat, and purify her body with Osiron water. She would then walk to Abidas temple barefoot, and when inside made sure no one would smoke or raise their voice. Soon she started to exhibit healing powers, which she said came from the temple itself. A widespread eye infection that plagued locals at the time was healed instantaneously by her casting spells from the walls of the Abydus temple. A baby brought to her by distraught parents because of breeding difficulties recovered after she used water from Osiron. Umseti reported that she no longer needed glasses, was cured of arthritis and appendicitis, all from using waters from Osiron. Bizarrely, her ancient knowledge grew, and when villagers from the town of Arabat Abydus reported occasionally seeing a large golden boat floating upon a one-time lake, Umseti noted that the villagers were ignorant of the ancient Egyptian mystery play once enacted at Abydus, involving a Neshmet boat. The villagers were obviously observing an apparition, she said, where there had once been a sacred lake. Unfortunately, local women did not take kindly to Umsete, her strange powers and ancient rituals. They instructed children of the town to throw small rocks at her if they saw her in the street. I would have done that to you, Annie. I would have been like, see her. She's, see that woman there? Witch, 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 stone her, stone her, stone her. Yeah, stone her, stone her. And all the children would be like, stone her, stone her, stone her. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you see her, throw shit at her. Throw axe if you're poo- If you have to poo-poo, throw your poo-poo at her. <laughs> you dog. Her life was relatively simple. She lived frugally and demanded little, making money, selling handmade souvenirs to tourists, and offered her knowledge when needed. One day, while exploring the southwestern side of King Seti the First Temple, a place she knew in her bones was holding a secret. Umseti was walking, hoping to make a discovery when the ground underneath gave way. She fell ten meters into the temple, where she remained for two days. <laughs> Fucking hell! A guard luckily found her when his head cover blew off in the wind and landed at the entrance to the hole. There below, unconscious, was Umsete. She claimed that she had tapped into the temple's secrets in the two days that she lay in a coma. She said that the wall beneath the chapel of Osiris and that of God Min, inside of that wall all the documents of the undiscovered temples are hidden. And a little side note here, they they have never found Nefreti's temple and um, oh, yeah. some people believe that she knew where this temple was, but would not say conveniently. Oh, oh, really? So, and and um, did they find all those? Do- did they find documents in the wall of the Abydos temple? They haven't uh, took down the wall, but they did use uh, sonar technology, and it did show that there was some sort of cavity in the wall, which is oh, very interesting. My God. Oh my good God. But this she's, woman. She said that she wouldn't disclose where Nefreti's temple was because Seti I said that he didn't like the way 
that when people discovered it, that the way they acted inside, that they acted inside the other discovered temples and stuff. So he was kind of, he he wanted her not to tell them or something. Oh my gosh, she's so right. I'm so proud of her for doing that. Stand by your man. (laughs) Stand by your seti. (laughs) Show all the world you love the pharaoh from a thousand years ago. Thank you. After this accident, she began walking again with crutches. Unfortunately, she got hit by a bus five years later in front of the Avidas Temple cafeteria, ending up in a wheelchair for quite some time. Poor woman. I don't think this place is bringing you much luck there, Dorothy, but okay. No, I know. Umsete would become a tourist attraction in herself. She would then go on to sign a contract with an American publishing company and released multiple books. Reportedly, the deal was far from fair, but she enjoyed spreading the word of the Avidas Temple, and so she continued. While penning her books, friends noted that her writing would suddenly change to that of a different person, and then change back. She would also stop mid-sentence and begin to talk about an unrelated topic, as if someone had took over her body. As the years went by, her health faded. Speaking on the subject, she once said, Death holds no terror for me. I'll I'll do my best to get through the judgment. I'm going to come before Cyrus, who will probably give me a few dirty licks because I know I've committed some things I shouldn't have. (laughs) (laughs) What have you done, Darcy? I feel like she's murdered people in the desert. She definitely is a another version of you in a life as well. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would pick up I would pick up the stones that the children threw at me and I would throw them back and some of them would bludgeon to that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't start a game you can't finish. <laughs> <laughs> and I will finish it. Let me tell you. Finish her. <laughs> Remember you used to say that to me all the time. Finish her. Uh, uh, or maybe, maybe it was like, um, sete activated. <laughs> Character in Tekken. Yeah. Um, sete. Finish her. One hundred points to um, sete. But because the Muslims and Christians would not let a heathen be buried in their graveyards, Umseti built her own underground tomb decorated with a false door. Through this door, the Ka, or soul to you and me, was believed to travel between this world and the next, and it was engraved with an offering prayer in conformance with ancient beliefs. The staff of Chicago House gave her an imitation Shapti figurine used in funerary practices to place in the tomb. On the 21st of April 1981, Umsete died in Abydos. The local health authority refused to allow her to be buried in the tomb she had constructed. So she was interred in an unmarked grave facing west in the desert outside a Coptic cemetery. Which is a recipe for a future mummy film. Oh, if you don't want the woman to come back again, would you put her in the fucking tomb she built? What pricks? Uh, I think justice for Umseti. We're going to have to try or get her back and watch. So what's the thing when you dig them back up and put back in the right place? I'm going to have to Exhumed. Do it. Starting to go fund me. Yes. Exhumed Umseti. Umseti, Seti, Seti. Now, what you listeners 
wouldn't have known from this recording is that she has caused multiple problems throughout the recording of this episode. I am convinced that Umseti is now attacking and has attached herself onto my life and if I die you will now know that it is at the hands of Umseti and I will now be taken to Egypt. She has plagued my life for two days now and my life has took a dramatic downturn and I've started to speak like this and Sue, and Sue, I shall take over the world as my rightful place as Umseti. Pharaoh to them all. Oh! <laughs> it really has been. It's been like a. It's been like a, a three act kind of play, like trying to get this done over the last few days. And I think she got into your computer and started just. Ru- I'm rummaging around in here. I'm cleaning. It's like when your mother goes to do a clean out and then you come back in and you're like, where the fuck is everything? And she's like, I burned it. I burned it. Yes, I like. She's done, she's definitely done something to me. Now, uh, what I will play for you next is what Umsete believes herself happened to her at the age of three. But how does Umsete explain her strange insights into an earlier existence? Well, I wonder, either the fall downstairs not to screw loose, when yet everything was so... much shall I say? logical after that. I mean, the obsession. I mean, if I had a screw loose, I might dream about a temple, but not that one particular temple and dream about it correctly. And then some people have suggested I might really have been dead and an ancient spirit got in. What do you think? I think probably that might be. It's just simply, I was in a place which I knew very well, and no difficulty in getting them. I just had to say thank you. <laughs> I think I've got an idea I was um, a very low-grade minor priestess, and young. What makes you think that? First of all, if I hadn't been a priestess, I wouldn't be wandering around the temple. I mean, the ordinary folk were not allowed in. I just think she's the sweetest old lady. I love her even more after seeing her. Like, she's like your nan, but like mental. Well, maybe some people's nans were mental already, but she's just, she's just like your mental old nan. I love her. I love her. Exume Omseti. I'm, I'm starting the GoFundMe page. Exume Omseti. Yes, let's get this going. Let's get this going. It's That's so right. cruel that they, that they didn't bury her in the place that she had built for herself. That just makes me so sad. You arseholes. But then I suppose arseholes. on the other side of it, like she could be just a complete con artist. <laughs> Well, she could be, but like, what was she getting from it? Like, she didn't get much money from it. She got a bit of attention from it. But like, 
I don't know. I don't know. I don't really see what good it did her. It was actually seemed like a bit of a blight on her life until she got to Egypt. I'm kind of happy that she died in Egypt. No, Will, believe on Seti. If I were you, I'd be believing her because she has put a fucking hex on you. I wouldn't be doubting her val- validity here. I'd be going, yes, I'm Seti. Thank you, I'm Seti. And be dressing in whatever clothes she tells you to wear. I know I'm now indoctrined into the Umseti cult. <laughs> um, one psychiatrist did say that they thought it was um, her fall that happened as a child resulted in damage to her brain, which uh, then resulted in a dislocation from her surroundings, resulting in an embracement of an obsession, aka with Egypt and namely Seti the First and Abydos. Mm. Um, the mm. psychologist Michael Gruber noted that Umseti lived a functional life in the so-called everyday reality including work in Egyptology embroidery making jewellery and socialising with people her reported experiences enriched her life so much that it would be an extreme loss to have seen her simply as somebody who was hallucinating and a 1987 New York Times article described a biography of her as an intriguing and convincing modern case history of the belief in reincarnation. R.I.P. Umseti. Oh, rest in peace, Umseti, in, in, in the grave that you weren't meant to have. Hey, come here, though. I, this reminds me of, um, you know, that, uh, what's that program that we were all watching on Netflix? Is it Surviving Death? Is that what it called? Um, with, all the re- with all the kids coming back and telling. Um, oh, yeah. Telling people telling what had happened after they had died and all these little kids being like uh three and four years old being like i my name was johnny and i was hit by a car on that road like it's very very common like and what's the explanation for it i think actually some of the guys on the facebook group were saying that some of their kids had been like mommy <laughs> and then oh told the mad stuff how do you how do you react to that? You're like, okay, Jimmy. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, isn't it? Like it's That's just from your past life. You were definitely some kind of like um you were definitely some kind of woman working in the burlesque trade back in your oh, thank you. lifetimes. I kinda of like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, kind of buzzy kind of like Hello, sir. You looking for looking for the company for the evening? <laughs> you know, but like a low class one, a low class one on the streets of London. Oh no, like not fancy. And when I say burlesque dancer, I just mean hooker, really. Oh my god! I well, you definitely were one of those women that sell sold bread on the street with your fucking hood yeah. up and was like this. You are alive! You are alive! <laughs> oh, oh yeah, like with one tooth. Oh my god, that reminds me. I had a dream last night that my front tooth falls out. Teeth falling out is meant to be a sign of money. Money, 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 money. Have you got any questions for me this week? Yeah. <gasps> now it's time for... Ask him, Sally, anything. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'll give you a 4.5 out of 10 there because you didn't put your heart into it, but it was your first time. So we'll see how you go in the future. But, but do you not think that, ask him sadly anything, kind of is a bit more rhymey. I think that might be a new thing. Anyway, Trish Arnold writes in, it's my birthday today. When is yours? Oh, that was one happy day birthday. ago. Oh, happy birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Trish. That was Tuesday, it's Wednesday today. Um, happy, happy birthday, Trish. Happy birthday, I was going to say, not the uh, same month as me, but no, because we're into July and I always forget. My birthday was a few weeks ago, 16th of June, Bloomsday, the day on which Ulysses is set for any of you trivia freaks out there. Um, so thanks and happy birthday. I hope you had a great one, Trish. Yeah. Jennifer Walker Cassius writes in and asks, what is the scary story you've ever heard that still haunts you? Oh my God. Hey girl, thank you. Um... I don't know if it still haunts me like these days, but it was it was the special that I did for Halloween there this year. It was the Loftus Hall one about the devil in Loftus Hall. Um, I'm sure I've I'm sure I've said this on the podcast before, but we got shown a video of this apparent um, demon visitation that happened in an old house not that far from where William lives and not that far hence from where I live. And they said the devil visited this house in the middle of the night, so they showed us a video in school when I was about seven or eight years old and yep. I was terrified for years as in like not sleeping couldn't sleep but night terrors everything so terrified and I think it stayed with me forever and I think that's part of the reason I am so scared to this day thank you Brittany Bishop Bloodworth writes this may have been answered already so if so my apologies how did you and Wilhelmina become best friends Oh, um, I kind of stole him off his original best friend when we met in college. <laughs> we met in college. Um, no, a friend of ours, Jenny. Hey, Jenny girl, if you ever listen to the show. Hey, um, 
they were uh, Jenny and Roisin were friends with Will and I was in college with the girls and um, they introduced me to Will one night and I will never forget this beautiful vision of a boy in a baseball hat a uh, silver chain, tracksuit bottoms and t-shirts, uh, trying to be a lad about town. Um, and I just clapped eyes on him and I was like, that's the man for me. And that was, that's how it, that's, here we are all these years later. <laughs> <laughs> Philip Norris writes, do you go to the gym? Just asking as you seem to be carrying Will a lot on the pod. <laughs> Love you really, Will. Honest. Now, Philip, you are going down the route of Jared. You're going down the route of Jared. I have my eye on you. Oh, snap, bitch. Oh, I just, this might have been my favourite question I've ever been asked. And um, I do do a regular workout. I would be a big boned girl and would be many, many, many stones heavier if I didn't. But it has to be in my home on a yoga mat in front of the TV um, with one of those app things on. But he looks light, but William is a very heavy load to have carried all these years, Philip. And thank you. Thank you for reaching out and feeling my pain. Ah, that was just too good. I'm fucking, I'm reveling in that question. I'm reveling. Reveling. Annie, stop now because this man is clearly having a breakdown, so we won't. (laughs) talk about it anymore Chris Matlick writes in have you ever done the I'm having a cup of tea but actually there is whiskey or wine in my cup thing and if so what caused it oh my god have I like been surreptitiously drinking alcohol when I'm meant to be drinking something else yes I would say and probably around Christmas time when I'm home with the family when I mean everyone would have a few drinks and that's fine but I would probably do um, a few like sneaky more ones in on top like not in it not in a like a cup and say that I'm having tea but I would definitely go out and do a refill when nobody's looking just to get me through the day um, and I used to do this thing I used to do this thing in bars like years ago where I, <laughs> I used to just be I don't know I used to, used to be able to drink a lot like a lot again my big bones so I would run up to the bar like in between rounds and just order shots and just do them and then run back to the table without anyone knowing oh my bitch secret alcoholic <laughs> I know when you, <laughs> when you say that now I'm like um dangerous I, now I just enjoy the odd glass of Sauvignon Blanc. Thanks for your question. <laughs> Sean Ellis writes in, Annie, what's it like being a gay icon? Oh, oh my God, are you guys? I am living for the questions this week. Um, thank you. Um, it's hard. I won't say that it's been easy. It's been a challenge, but I would say it's absolutely true. And I would say that I excel. And... Um, uh, I've mostly been called a fag hag rather than a gay icon, but thank, <laughs> thank you for the upgrade. Tanya Middleton writes in, Where does where's the weirdest, scariest place you've had to sleep? Um, the weirdest, scariest place I've had to sleep? Oh, Jesus Christ, now. Probably somewhere where we when we were out, like, dirty drinking when we were kids. Uh, like in a shed or a hay barn or something when you're out doing things that you shouldn't be doing when you're a kid probably oh on the farm on the farm in one of the out outhouses there not that I thought it was scary or weird or haunted or anything like that but but you know when you've a load of drinking in you're sleeping in an old like stone house 
you start seeing visions of things. Um, I haven't gone to any overnight things where they invite you to come and stay or like any of those scarefest things because I would leave stains on all the upholstery, okay? Thank you. Next question. Uh, Mary Newman Lothian asks I'd actually like to know more about Annie's artistic side tell us about your art your inspiration where can we buy your stuff oh my god have you planted this what thank you Mary um this is so thank this is like my week it is your week I'm loving this can I have questions thank you I am oh god I feel embarrassing right now I am a painter and an illustrator and I run a kids podcast called Land of Nod where you can find all the kids stuff and illustration and I also sell my own paintings at anniganart.com um, and you can buy stuff there and thank you so much you are so cute I went to art school years ago I was going to art school and Will was going to business school um, and you can see how that worked out so thank you thanks Barry <laughs> Belinda Johnson writes in if you could do a podcast on any other topic what would it be and would you grab Will along for the ride or go it alone oh my god so interesting I'm kind of obsessed at the moment with um, like therapy podcasts <laughs> so I listened to this one with couples in counselling the whole time um, not that I would want to obviously I don't I wouldn't have the credentials to do that but how about me and Will go to couples counselling therapist oh that might be an idea that? actually I'm just really interested in like the dyna- like the whole therapy thing and the dynamics so I listen to a lot of those I listen to a lot of mental health mm. ones um, but like Will said before I would really like to have a podcast where we act ask experts about things that are like fascinating that I don't know anything about Mm. I just think you know I just think it's amazing what that you can like call somebody up and be like hey will you come and explain something to me and they'll do it it's amazing it's amazing it's right next question we still have a good few more Annie Um, Sarah Anderson writes if you had a team song that played whenever you entered the room what would it be Boom dee doom do dee dee boom. <laughs> <laughs> Will used to do when a company. <laughs> 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 he used to do sound effects, sound effects as I walked along the street. Oh my god, what would my theme song be? Oh fuck, that's a really hard one. I I think you might have to swing back on me, Will. I can't think of one right now. Okay, Jen Holbrow writes in. She wants to know which Flintstones character are you most like? Oh, Betty Rubble. Ooh, Betty, Betty out the door. Yeah, Ruth, yeah, Ruth yeah, Newcomb yeah. writes in. Annie, did you create the Mo2 artwork? Also, I know about Will's gorgeous good garden business, but I don't know about yours? Question mark X. Okay, this is getting like who I have not paid friends. Clearly, you have. For You've this. drugged people. I as have well. not. This week, I these see women. Thank you I'm so much for taking the Rehypnol, uh, you little cuties. Um, as I said before, I I sell stuff on AnnieGanArt.com, and I also do the kids stuff at Land of Nod, which you can find at Land of Nod. Dot, dot com is it uh, landfordlearning.com um, and I do a kids podcast as well and you can find all the stuff online thank you thank you for thank you <laughs> Carly uh, Swalwell writes in if you had to what would be the minimum thing slash amount of money you would punch Will in the face for in brackets sorry Will at uh, 50 euro 
50 euro i mean i would do it for free i probably i have, have done, done it for free. free if you mention chicken burger if chicken you mention chicken burger. burger right now i will fucking i will come up i will i will get in the car dave will drive me up to wexford and i'll slap you right now but i have slapped will i also slapped his boyfriend once um which wasn't a nice thing i did apologize but he did do something bad i'm not usually a proponent of physical violence but for will 50 euro i mean <laughs> baseline actually more expensive than what i thought it would be uh janique leslie cauldron writes in she says annie do you have certain types of youtube videos you watch regularly and if so what are your top three mine are overgrown lawn cleanups mud lark mud larking and magnet magnet fishing to help me fall asleep Oh my god, that's so crazy. Right, I don't I, I don't do my YouTube too much, but I am obsessed and I look at them before I go to sleep because it calms me down. Of um on Instagram reels of watching girls put lace front wigs on. I, I like I'm I and because of course I keep looking at it, then they all come up like it's all black girls doing their their wigs. But I'm just fascinated at how amazing they look and how they lay down the front of them and that like they use the glue and then the thing and then they cut the lace and then and then they have a whole beautiful new head of hair it's just and they just look so real and you know how I got into this Will it was actually that I asked you a question ages ago about how some drag queens get their wigs so good and you were like their lace front wigs and I was like what the fuck is a lace front wig (laughs) and now I could write a fucking book about lace front wigs could I put one on no but I could write a book thank you that is so funny I just have visions of you like YouTube and like lace front wig and then just sitting there in your pyjamas cross-eyed being like lovely and I'm like she's not as good as the last girl yeah I like that but she hasn't laid her edges down that well mm, I wouldn't use that product if I were oh, you mm, yeah no that's not a colour like I'm uh, like that's all I watch that's it's all I watch you wouldn't shave stuff. your head and Thank get a you. fucking wig then <laughs> I really could do it <laughs> Debbie Robertson writes in and says Annie what would be your drag name X oh uh, fa- it would have to be Fanny because of the mm. Annie and I have been called Fanny for a lot of my life yeah. as well by friends so Fanny 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 Galore a fa- fa- Fangita Galore no Fanny Galore Fanny Galore let's not try get exotic with it I think Fanny Galore would be a very good name for me Fanny Galore mm, that's kind of nice isn't it yeah. I kind of like that actually yeah what what was yours going to be there last week? Yours was was mangina was something Willem, like mangina something mangina oh God, diamond, diamond mangina. mangina wasn't it? Diamond mangina. Oh, Fanny Galore is way better. It doesn't have notions about itself. Um, uh, coming. Can I come back to a question there about my theme? My theme tune. Unfortunately, you can't. And uh, that's uh, it. I'm only missing. Yeah, you can. Oh. What is it? <laughs> I think it would be shares gypsies, tramps, and Because um, I am a bit of a gypsy and I grew up in a trailer and I might be moving back into one soon. Thank Lovely. you. Alexis Maloney writes in and says, If you could be famous for any one hit wonder, what would it be? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gypsies, tramps, and tears. Thank you. Kate Pattinson writes in, Snog, Marry, Avoid, Brian the Reptilian, Bigfoot, or Liza Minnelli. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Liza! 
Okay, I actually think I'd have to just kill Liza because she's. Oh, that's not an option. Avo- we're not that. We're not that violent. Kate isn't that violent. Avoid is the worst option with this. Oh, oh! I thought it was kill. Jesus, you're very um pacifist there. Okay, so I'd avoid Liza. She would do your head in. I would have to marry Bigfoot because everyone knows that I've got a little soft spot for them. And I suppose uh, Brian could be like a one night pick kind of a thing. I suppose because you couldn't let Brian get in there because he would take over your mind and then he'd be trying to make her. You know, he'd be trying to harvest you for the reptilians. So, but a one night apparently he's a very good lover hmm. so okay. I'd take him for one night okay fair enough mm. and finally Liz Kedzir sorry Liz says if you killed Will where would you hide the body <laughs> I think I have a pencil case lying around somewhere that he should fit into like uh, probably would actually <laughs> Um, I know, in all seriousness, I couldn't. But if he drove me to it, I would have to hide him. I'd hide him in the closet because he's so far out of it that nobody would ever go looking in there again for him. You know, he came over there years ago and he, I just put him back into it and uh, people probably wouldn't notice there, Liz, and everything would be fine. If I couldn't find the pencil case, he'd go back into the closet where he came from. And thank you. <laughs> Thank you for all the questions this week. <laughs> um, thank you for all the support for me this week. And I'll be back next week where if you really feel like I, like it, I can just take over Will Sla as well. Thank yeah, you. we'll just leave Annie roll. And then you'll all be crying, won't you? You's better. Because I'll <laughs> bait the heads off you. Do you understand me? I'm watching you all now. I've got my eye on you. I've actually gone cross-eyed <laughs> this week looking at all these messages because I'm trying to keep my eye on all of So watch your back whenever you go for your little runs in the evening on your own. Maybe I might be after flying over there. Could be behind you with my arms folded, very angry, questioning you. What was with that question? What was with that question, yeah? Remember in the group, Philip? What was that question about the gym, Philip? <laughs> wait, wait. Oh my god, there's news. The news. Hold on, I just have to turn on the news. Homing pigeons that can't find their way home. A block exit. <laughs> Daytona Beach, Florida. An exit off Interstate 95 in Florida had to be closed for three hours after 100 homing pigeons fell off a truck and refused to move, posing a driving hazard to motorists, officials said on Wednesday. A crate carrying 100 homing pigeons fell off the truck late Tuesday near Daytona Beach. Because the birds roost at night, the pigeons stayed on the road until bright lights from vehicles startled them. They flew into the air and created a hazard for drivers, according to a news release from Volsona, Volsa County officials. It's the worst case scenario. Home and pigeons that can't find their home, the news said. Oh, sorry, the news is actually from <laughs> South America, so all news stations are. Sheriff's deputies, state troopers and animal service attempt- uh, workers attempted to capture the pigeons, ultimately recovering 73 fowl. The birds were banded so their f- owner wasn't immediately determined, officials said. Weren't banded. The birds were not banded. <laughs> Our job is to help the animals find their way home, whether they're covered in fur, scales or in, ca- in this case feathers. 
said Volta County <laughs> Animal Control Officer Alicia Deese. We're hoping that someone out there might have information on where these birds came from and which truck was carrying them. I hope these birds get home okay. We're having a state fair this fall, which will be quite nice with pumpkin pies. You can bring the family. It's only $5, and we're hoping that the weather holds up because we are going to have a hootin' bootin' time. Let me tell you. Mimi, Mimi, fuck off. This isn't your new section. Fuck off back where you came from. Do you have a moment to talk about Um Sadie? She was an Egyptian <laughs> priestess who who was reincarnated into a lovely girl called Dorothy Edie. And now she's in a demonic witch called Annie Gann that lives in Cork. <laughs> and she has hypnotized a lot of the listeners on her podcast and turning them away from William who's actually a very very pure soul so you should be on the lookout and actually these birds falling from the falling from the sky slash truck is actually an omen that she is about to release her (laughs) ultimate power which is sluttiness so be on the lookout thank you this that was the most bet down news I don't create the I news. think I might ever have I don't have create had. the news. <laughs> I don't create the news, Annie. I can't make up stories about the news. The news... I'm just the news reader. That's my job. I'm not the on-the-road on reporter. I'm the reader, Annie. Oh, Lord, I hope... I actually hope... I hope... <laughs> I hope that this... Um, a vaccination that I had just sends me into a coma for the next few days. I hope I wake up okay, but just so I can have a little break from you. Okay, oh just a little God. small break from you. Now, if you would like to find out anything more about us, guys, you can always follow us on our Instagram, which is Mysteries Pod. Sorry, Annie's homework this week is to find out what the Instagram <laughs> username is. No, it's Miss. It's it's a uh, Mysteries of the Unexplained Pod. I'm sorry, I'm so yeah. You can also follow us on our Facebook group at Mysteries of the Unexplained, where we talk about all kind of delightful kind of things. You could also follow us on Patreon if you would like to go to patreon.com forward slash Mysteries of the Unexplained, where you can join for just the price of a cup of coffee a month and you can get our special Moti Wednesdays and grinds my gears information. And thank you. Very good, very good. Thank God, thank you so much, guys, for listening. And we will see you, our little Patreons, on Wednesday for another episode of Motu Weird Wednesdays. And for yes, you guys, you we'll so see much. you next Friday for more mysteries. Prayers of for me. Prayers. Unex- prayers for Annie and oh, Annie's here we arm. Go. High Priestess <laughs> is looking for prayers for her to be worshipped. Fucking hell! Talk about subtle. Join us next week for more mysteries of the unexplained strains.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.